The worship test will begin put that picture on there and she's like yeah isn't it great i'm like oh one uh, <laughs> i love the idea though of like hey if it doesn't get there by christmas happy new year because <laughs> yeah i'm always in the same boat but now that <laughs> you didn't even send it till after new year's that's oh we did even better <laughs> well she was on she, well she's always in charge of that and she was on um she was on call for new year's or for christmas and we were in Florida, and then we got back, and she was on call. She worked 10 hours on the 23rd. She worked, like, eight hours on the 24th and five hours on the 25th. So, Ugh. yeah, she did not have a good Christmas. So, <laughs> and on top of it, I had a fever and a bad cold when I got back, so it was pretty horrible. I spent my birthday with a fever, so that was great. I appreciate yeah. that. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the first episode of... <laughs> the Rorschach test. <laughs> Let me guess, you've been recording this whole of time. Of course already. I have. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been recording for like 20 minutes already. Before you even <laughs> got on in, uh, Skype, I was recording. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> Excellent. An extra long episode. And it's, yes, the first. Uh, well, hey, um, I guess we'll just get right into it, right? I mean, why not? This is the Rorschach Test. I am Brian Salazar, and I am joined by Chris Marshall. Hello, Sal. <laughs> and Andy Tom. Hi, Sal. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get this going. Um, for people that don't know what the hell this is, uh, it's a new podcast, obviously. It's called the Rorschach Test, and our idea for it is basically we're going to take a look at stories in pop culture. Uh, whether it's uh, articles, opinion pieces, controversies, whatever it may be, all the things that are going on in pop culture, comic books, movies, TV shows, whatever, video games, all the geeky stuff that we love, we're going to check it out. We're going to look at what people are saying about it, writing about it, tweeting about it, whatever it may be. And then we're going to give our opinions. We're going to give a deeper look at things that we think are maybe more important than some of the others. We're going to filter through every week, pick a few stories, and really... Uh, dig into them and talk about them. And hopefully it'll be fun for you guys. It's going to be fun for us. I know we've, we've been doing this already under another name for a few weeks. Um, we were calling ourselves the Nuff Said podcast at one point, and we decided to change that, start a whole new thing and create uh, what you hear now, the Rorschach test. You can find us at the Rorschach test.com. You can find us on Twitter at Rorschach test me. You can find us on facebook.com slash, uh, the Rorschach test. It's a little confusing. You can email us at Rorschach test me at gmail.com. Uh, but all that stuff is on the website. If you go to the website, all of our links are there. Our iTunes feed is there. Our RSS feed is there. Um, there. There will be links to uh, all the different places that you can download the show and listen to us and enjoy it. Uh, so that's it. That's the beginning. This is the big beginning of something new and exciting and fun and fresh and cool. So uh, welcome, guys. I'm so excited to have you guys here, and and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this for many, many weeks to come. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Chris. Or Chris and Sal. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, this is going to be fun. 
Once we get our names right. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I should have said Sal and Chris, but. You know, uh, Andy uh, pointed out something kind of funny on our Discord uh, app the other day uh, that, in a weird way, we are Sal, Chris, and Tom all over again. And some people might. No, that's funny. <laughs> some people not, might that know what that is. That's funny. I never thought about that. That is hilarious. Isn't that, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. That it's a little bizarre. Funny. So. Yeah, so there you go. Hopefully that's a good omen. I can't so, get away from Tom and Chris, guys. I, I don't know. I know. That is hilarious. <laughs> did you mention the Discord app? I just did, yes, the Discord. Go ahead. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we've got this Discord app, which if it, it's originally wasn't it set up for video game type gamer chat and, and message boards and stuff like that. Yeah, I think originally Originally, it was... Uh, for the most part, and I think it still is, a lot of their users are video game players, and you can kind of, um, it was a way to talk to your, you know, friends uh, while you're playing video games, you're playing Call of Duty or whatever, Doom or Quake or I don't know, whatever video games you're playing, instead of doing it through the system, through the computer system or the, the console system that you're playing on, you would do it through this app instead, and, and they had it was specifically set up for that and it's supposed to be very good you can you can chat or you can voice chat um and you can create little rooms and and private you know conversations with all your friends and that kind of stuff um and i set one up for us because it's linked through patreon um but uh we have that discord we have a discord um room i guess you'd call it yeah it's a whole discord channel right yeah basically i mean it's 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 pretty cool. It's set up like its own little community um, where, I mean, you join the Discord channel and you can get involved in conversations and little channels within the Discord. And uh, it seems like it's going to be a good place to have a, a community to build. Similar to Chris's Slack channel he's got for the Collected Comics Library. Exactly. So yep. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's got a real nice format and it seems to be pretty easy to use, even though I haven't really figured out everything about it yet. It's pretty cool. We should, you know, that's a good point. We should bring up the fact that for people that, if you this is your first time listening to the show, um, both Chris and I have podcasts on our own that we do. Chris has been doing his podcast, the Collected Comic, the Collected Comics Library, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. How long have you been doing that for now, Chris? Oh, since February of two thousand five. Dang, that's uh, that's like when my daughter was born. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Actually, that's like eight nine months. Before my daughter was born, what was it? But you're right. You ca- you get ca- you guys came right after me though. You're wait, wait, like, two wait. years, nine months, little. No, could she have been conceived during while I was listening episode to of the Collected Comics it's Library? Jesus. I'm not saying please it's don't probable, but it's possible. It is possible. <laughs> oh, and I uh, yeah, we I, I used to be on a podcast called Around Comics. I do a podcast now called The Big Geek Show, which is on hiatus at the moment until sometime this year. I'll start up again, season three. But we both do a podcast on our own, and that's kind of where this was all built from or came out of. Uh, it, was, it was sort of Andy's idea of that we started something together, and uh, and so we did. We all uh, got together and started doing this. So I just wanted to mention that, throw those two things out there. One thing I, I also want to mention is we're running a contest. It's our first episode, and we have our first contest out there right now. You can win a $150 gift certificate to InStockTrades.com, and we'll talk about InStockTrades.com in just a minute. But the contest first. Uh, How to enter the contest. Go to iTunes, download our podcast, listen to us, write us a review on iTunes or a rating on iTunes, and then send us an email 
telling us your iTunes screen name and the review uh, that you put up, and you'll be entered to win the skip certificate. That's all it takes. No big deal. Go listen to the show. If you like it, if you hate it, if you want to bitch about it, whatever it is you want to say about us, go write us a review on iTunes, and you're entered in the contest to win a $150 gift certificate to InStockTrades.com. Now, what is InStockTrades.com, if you don't know? They are one of the biggest online uh, distributors, dealers, sellers, retailers, all of those things, of uh, trades and graphic novels. You guys both use InStockTrades, right? I do. We do. I use, I use InStockTrades quite a bit. I mean, looking at this $150 gift certificate, Sal, I'm, I'm looking at this. I mean, this is a perfect amount. You know, those grail books that are out there, those artist editions, because those things come out and there's really little to no discount on a lot of those things. But those are things I look at and I'm having trouble justifying the cost. If you've ever wanted one of those, this gift certificate is an easy way to get one. You can get an omnibus with it, an absolute, whatever you want. And, you know, even if you decide to put an order in, even if you don't win the gift certificate and you put an order in over at InStock Trades, They'll give you a free shipping on any order over fifty bucks, and it, and if basically you put you know three or four books in a, in your cart and purchase them, no shipping on that. They're going to send it to you free of charge and shipping. You just have to pay for the books, and they're really deeply discounted. And unfortunately, I can't enter. Right, that was part of the deal. You cannot, nor your yeah. family. I'm afraid family. <laughs> they don't listen. They don't listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but man, they they do such a great job. I mean, they pack all the books. They got this like I don't know what you call it, but just this foam machine. Back when they were located in Fort Wayne, I got to go back to the warehouse and I saw a bunch of how it works. And they they pack your books all up in these like magazine bags, and they and they put some packing tape on them, get them all sealed from the weather in case the mailman just drops it on the front porch and it's pouring rain. But what they do is they pack them in there and they get them all waterproof, and then they pack a bunch of that spray foam in there. But the foam isn't just like packing peanuts. It, it forms around your book, so they don't move at all, and they come in amazing shape. I mean, it, it, it's not like when you get stuff from Amazon, they throw it in a box that's five times too big for the book, and then by the time it gets to your house, it's got dents in the corner. They package this stuff up where it isn't going to move at all, and then with that spray foam in there, that stuff, the only bad thing about it is you got to throw it away at the end of it because it takes <laughs> up a lot of room in your trash can. Well, you could, like, but build, you know. You could recycle it, I think. Yeah. Is that recyclable? I don't even know. I think so. Yeah. See, I'm not as uh, uh, what would be the word uh, green as you are, Chris. <laughs> I am. I'm trying to. I am going to be more green in 2018. I am. It's not easy being green. No, <laughs> it isn't. Not. But the discounts on that place are so deep, man. You can buy so much stuff from them. Yeah, Chris. I mean, your whole podcast is about collected editions. So, I mean, you have correct. To, you have to be a fan of in stock trades the pricing and, and everything that they offer. I love it. So, I mean, I've been with them for years before when they were, when they just started out. I mean, uh, yeah, they've got a, just their website's fantastic too. I mean, they're top 10 on the side, uh, their specials, what, what's going on. I mean, everything is there. I mean, by now everybody is sort of in stock trades and to get 150 bucks, why wouldn't you want to do this? This is easy money you can get and you're, helping us out in the process. So we'll have more contests coming up uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I should mention it is only one one grand prize winner of the of the $150 yes. certificate. It will be uh, a random drawing from the people that enter on iTunes. Uh, but you do have to send us an email so we know that you wrote a review. So um, if you listen to this, go write a review on iTunes. Give us a rating. 
like I said, it doesn't have to be a good one. If you don't like the show, that's fine. You can still enter. Um, but uh, <laughs> we obviously prefer good ones. If you want to write us a nice review uh, on iTunes, then send us an email to RorschachTestMe at gmail.com, and you will automatically be entered for the drawing. It's going to go on for... Uh, seven weeks. So the next, the first seven episodes that we put out is um, the the next seven weeks and seven Mondays. I think we'll be uh, putting out episodes. So and then on the, oh no, I'm sorry, six weeks and then the seventh week, week, we're gonna do the drawing and uh, and we'll do it live on recording on podcast. Um, so that's it. That's an easy. It's a it's an awesome you know gift you can win uh, and easy enough to do. So there you go. Please go. Help us spread the word of the show and uh, and get more people listening and and maybe win yourself something awesome. And I think I'm going to have something for people that enter. Um, if you don't win, I'm going to send you something anyway. So uh, there's a little little bonus something for you. Ooh, sounds cool. <laughs> All right, hey, enough about that. Are you guys ready to get into the Rorschach test for this week and see what we see in this? Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start off with the first story. How's that sound? Sounds let's start great. out with a really positive story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, starting the year off right. I, I mean, there was positive. so much. Give me some good news there. <laughs> oh man, there was so much negativity. So much there negativity neg- in 2017. I really want to clean my palate yeah, and just sort of flush slate, everything man. out and just really start <laughs> with something positive and uplifting. What do you got for us? <laughs> well, the story I prepared to bring tonight is one of the big stories that was on all the dirt sheets news. Um, it was, and the one I'm going to reference here for this particular discussion is from the Hollywood Reporter, and, it, and the headline was 2017, the year almost everything went wrong for Marvel Comics. So that, <laughs> if that's not the height of positivity, I don't know what it is. That doesn't sound really. So what they do in the Hollywood Report? What's that? It doesn't sound really pro- positive. I don't. I don't. Know. No, it doesn't. This well, article. It's, it's also written by Graham McMillan, so there you oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was going to say it's written by Graham McMillan. And basically what he does is he takes this article from The Hollywood Reporter and he basically breaks it down per month. And he says nearly every month held some kind of new PR crisis for the company where Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America live. And I'll give you a few examples. Back in January, they announced this digital policy. They're going to increase uh, the – they're trying to increase the sales of you know the print releases and they would give you a digital code. But then they, they kind of got some blowback from the retailers because they kind of broke an unwritten rule that they'd already – stated with the retailers by putting a code for a different book in the book that was sold. And the retailers thought they were kind of dipping into their market. So it was pretty unpopular. And they backtracked after only a few days of doing that. And then in March, um, uh, Axel Alonso had made a presentation. And during this presentation, and I, he basically devalued artists. And he said, really, artists really don't move the needle in, in, the, in our industry. And it's really the artists really are very important. Well, of course, that pissed off all the artists. And then a little bit later on, another executive, I think it was a sales VP, David Gabriel. He said something about uh, about how they all the readers don't really want any of the new diverse characters. They don't want LGBTQ characters. They don't want female characters. They don't want characters of color. And the readers don't want it, even though Marvel does. So that kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And then in April, there were some issues with uh, an artist putting some political message in X-Men. And then back in May, there had some other stuff. And, and long story short, by the time we got into the fall, they had let go of Axel Alonso and brought on C.B. Sabolsky. And, and we talked about that on the old show on Nuff Set. And C.B. Sabolsky 
it didn't take but maybe a couple weeks, and all of a sudden, there's a new controversy about how when he, back in the early 2000s, he wrote under a pen name of Akira Yoshida. Uh, and a lot of places thought that he was kind of defrauding Marvel and, and doing that uh, cultural appropriation and whatnot. But by the end of it, by the end of the year, the last thing that happened was right around November, Brian Michael Bendis, pretty much a stalwart of Marvel, he up and just left and went over to rival DC. And that looked like a huge deal. And then on top of it, in December, Jim Starlin, who'd been around forever. Now, he doesn't really move the needle nowadays, but he's a legacy creator, especially for guys our age. He got in a fight with Tom Brevoort and said he'd never work for Marvel again. He just picked up his stuff and, and left. And he's a guy who created Thanos. So at the end of the year, they just had all this bad press come in, and it just compounded in all these articles about Marvel having a terrible year. Guys, how big all this what do you guys think? All this stuff, was it really that bad a year for Marvel? And if so, what are they going to do to you know change it? What are they going to do? I mean, I've got my own opinions, but I want to hear your guys first. Chris, what do you think? I think as far as the comics go, and yeah, it was a really, really bad year for Marvel. Uh, but, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, the main population of Earth doesn't give a shit about comics and all they care about is the next Avengers movie coming out. So once that comes out, everybody's going to be fine. Everybody's going to be loving it. But, you know, going back to the comics thing. Yeah. Going through this article and I thought it was really well written by Graham, um, who does a great job and, you know, he really does break it down and, and you, you forget what happened, especially with like the digital codes and, you know, smack dab in the middle of this, we have, uh, the, the secret empire, with Captain America and the blowback from that and everything. But, you know, yeah, when it comes to us geeks and everything, yeah, it, it really matters. Um, but, you know, we'll see if they can they can come out of it. Uh, I, th I think they can. You know, the, one of the last things they did was release the uh, the uh, solicitations and they're canceling a bunch of titles. Uh you know, including Generation X, Hawkeye, She-Hulk, Iceman, which was a huge deal for them. Uh, Iceman was huge being, uh, you know, finally coming out gay, even though he was gay in the comics uh, for a long time, but didn't, wasn't really talked about it. This one was really out of the closet kind of thing. Gwenpool, which is a big uh, star for them. Uh, she's getting canceled now in America. Another one. I think some of these might get reissued in the future. I mean, we always get a She-Hulk comic every once in a while. We always get a Hawkeye comic. Uh, you know, we'll see. And Luke Cage, I mean, he's still in the Defenders and showing up in Jessica Jones. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a pretty pretty bad year for Marvel. But, you know, you can kind of say that for DC, too. If I mean, not, not to divulge into that because I want to stick on Marvel, but, uh, you know, the DC movies – weren't that great you know in the in the dc universe and everything so but uh i don't know sal but what's your take on this you know it all comes down to sales you know nothing else matters to marvel really other than are they selling comic books or not that's what their stockholders care about um and i think at the end of the day that's what disney cares about now you're gonna hear and we did hear from so many people online and uh in articles like this and and different uh, comic book journalist websites, that kind of thing, about the bad optics or the bad visuals, how things look, and the bad PR moments for Marvel. But the reality is, is that such a small uh, 
niche of a niche. You know, I mean, comic book, the comic book marketplace is so tiny. It's such a fraction of uh, the population that spends money. Uh, the, the bad PR is something that people bring up all the time. You know, this looks bad, whether it's um, w- when it comes to diversity and now, you know, with the cancellation of a lot of the characters that were some of the more diverse characters in Marvel, you hear a lot of that, you know, talk out there of like, oh, it's it looks bad. This doesn't look good. This is bad optics. Um, but the reality is, is it's not like you have it, this isn't Disney proper. You know, it's not like it's um, a Star Wars movie. Uh, and you're having these huge, you know, PR disasters and things look horribly bad uh, in this uh, product that is selling millions and millions to millions and millions and millions of people. If the same sort of thing happened, you know, in the Star Wars franchise, I think you, you're you going to have a bigger problem. I think the one place where it concerns me a little is that does Disney care how Marvel looks, uh, Marvel Publishing you know, does it matter to them? You know, Disney's always very careful of their image. They're very careful of their um, family-friendly sort of uh, image and, and, and always skirting the line, always being very homogenous even to some degree, just to be safe. Um, you know, people bemoan a lot of the things that the Star Wars films haven't done in uh, promoting more diversity. Um but I think that's Marvel hedging their bets, being safe. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, not Marvel, but DC. But I'm wondering, is, is this kind of stuff, you know, is Marvel going to become more of a pain in the ass than they're worth as far as the comic book publishing side of things? They're not making any money. Now they're causing problems uh, in the media. It, it, how much does Disney put up with before... Uh, even bigger changes happen. I mean, I think I, the Axel so Alonso. Let me ask you, Sal. Change. So, what yeah. could what would they do? Would they just kick publishing to the curb, and you're not going to make Marvel comics anymore? Like, what do you do? No, or do you, I don't, you I go mean, in there and you streamline it and say, "Look, we're going to get back to basics with Captain America and Hulk and Iron Man." I think what you could see is. I don't know. You know, I'm not I, I'm not pretending like I have any insight into right. Disney, into how they're going to operate. I think, you know, to answer your question, I think, in my opinion, what you could see them do is, is something like that, where they really just cut things, you know, down. They, they maybe stop publishing single issues. They go to, you know, more of the trade market or more digitally and, and just sort of really limit what they're putting out there for a time frame, you know, and just sort of concentrating on a handful of things that they can really control and it's more about the licensed properties. It's more about, you know, keeping Spider-Man going and the Avengers going and that kind of stuff. I don't know if Disney gives a shit about all the rest of it. You know, there's, whatever, 90 right. books that come out a month from Marvel. Um, how many of those does Disney care about? Not many. Right. Do, you know, they, there's do they really care about Gwenpool? Probably not. Right. Probably not, you know. Yeah. And, and it, it's... So you could see that kind of thing where they get slashed and Disney just comes in and, you know, you see this stuff in the movie industry a lot. You'll see, you know, different arms, independent arms or semi-independent arms of a a major studio over a huge conglomerate. And at some point things aren't working for this little tiny um, part of it. You know, say they're making independent films like Miramax was uh, was that who was Miramax under Fox 
or Fox mm-hmm. uh, Searchlight. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but you have like a, a little independent studio making movies, and then all of a sudden they start fucking up, and they're not making money. They're losing money, and the board comes in and just takes over, and then you get you don't get the more interesting stuff made. I think so. That's the I think maybe what would worry me more so is that you're going to have you know a bunch of suits come in and just go okay that's enough of this let's take they're not they're not able to do it they're not taking control of things they're not fixing it let's just fix it for them and get this you know, shit straightened out well i think you, we're starting to see some of that though i mean we we ended the year with cb Savolsky taking over and axel alonzo being pushed out i mean he wasn't even kept in the company he's just gone from marvel Right. So that was a huge move towards that. And then we see these other, you know, we see a bunch of titles being canceled. And we all know, regardless of what reason social media and, and people are accusing them of canceling them, we all know bottom line is they're not selling enough books to keep them going. I mean, that's the sole reason they're going to be canceling those books. They're not going to be canceling because they have some kind of agenda against this character or that character or this char- creator or that one. It's because they're not making money. Um, and, and I, you know, in the, some of the stuff that Marvel did earlier in the year, I think probably did some damage to him. And I think that break point came when they brought in Axel or CB Sabolsky. I mean, look at what we had earlier. We had the secret, the, the secret, uh, what was it? Secret empire or, or whatever it was called. The, um, the Nick Spencer, Captain America story. I mean, that's, that caused a lot of controversy that, and bad publicity that Disney and Marvel didn't need. And then they tried to do this legacy thing where they tried to, well, well, we'll go back a little bit. We'll try to emulate DC's rebirth a little bit. But legacy really was ended up being just them kind of putting some complicated numbering system in that ended up being a fart in church. It didn't really do anything. And, and, and nobody really cares. I mean, now we have these higher numbered things on there and they're more confusing than they ever were. So, like I said, I think the CB Sabolsky change is the, the big, you know, the big push we're seeing towards somebody at Disney saying to get your shit in order and start, you know, doing a better job and start making us some money or we're going to eliminate some things even more. I would think so. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I think the money is insignificant to, to Disney in some ways because it's such a small part of what they're doing as long as they're not like, you know, they're not going to have the ability to, to put themselves out there and lose a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Like you're you're not making a three hundred million dollar film, uh, and and it's going to tank. You know you're publishing comics, so you're only going to be able to spend so much money and lose it. But if you start getting national press about how you know uh, Captain America's a Nazi, that's not good for Disney. You know, like that's mm-hmm. they're going to take notice of that. You know, if if you stay under the radar and just kind of go and do whatever you you know you can do, you're probably in a good place and you can just kind of get by. But you know, they've cultivated national news um, over the last, you know, whatever, five, ten years especially. Uh, I think Casado was a big part of that, of sort of trying to get stories and trying to get play in national newspapers and national websites, that kind of stuff. And they have, you know, I think they got to be careful because I think that can bite them in the ass now. They're, they're, they're a part of a larger entity and they're linked with that. And the bad stuff is is. The bad stuff is more important than the good stuff, I think. You know what I mean? Like, Marvel's never going to probably make Disney enough money where it matters, but they could make enough trouble where it matters. Right. Well, it does seem like Marvel has been causing trouble for Disney the first half of the year. I mean, because nearly every 
you know, PR, I don't want to say stunt, but every, you know, the whole thing with the lenticular covers, and then they made this order threshold insane, so retailers were pissed off. And then by the time the books came in, half of them didn't work where the damn to begin with. Yeah, but I think mean, of it, I mean, from the perspective of Disney, man, that's so small change. Like, none of that. They're making so much money, I mean, off of the movies they don't care what's going on in publishing nobody at Disney. i don't you know what i mean like i could i doubt that they give a shit about any yeah. of that stuff as long as it doesn't as long as it doesn't cause enough of a, a ripple where people look at disney bad you know or look at the, or they're not going to go to the movies and that's the problem i mean one of the most valuable commodities at disney itself is its reputation i mean look when you go to disneyland I mean, they they don't call their employees employees. They call them cast members, and everybody's got to have this big giant smile on their face, or they're gone. I remember. I mean, <laughs> that, I'm sorry. I, I just got to break in. Go. The last time I was at Disney, this was a few years ago. We went with my family, and I remember sitting there, and we were watching one of the you know 15 parades they have every day, and I I, I remember seeing this young girl. She was probably you know 20 years old, 22 years old, something like that. And she's dressed up as something. I I don't remember what it was, but it's 115 degrees outside. She's basically pushing some, you know, cart up a hill in this parade. And for about 10 seconds, the look on her face was like she wanted to blow her brains out. And then she realized that she was, you know, being watched. And all of a sudden, this big smile just breaks out on her face. And and the, the whole, you know, sort of Disney uh, look, you know, she realized, oh, crap, I can't, you know, I can't look sad. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm working for Disney, you know, and um, it's well, just that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. They, Disney's a utopia. And if they're not selling the utopia as the best place in the world, they're damaging their own reputation. I think they really that's one of the things they don't they can't really afford is to lose a reputation. I think that's part of the reason they're making these changes. So are we saying that Marvel publishing can give Disney only bad PR and not good PR? It's like you're supposed to be it's almost like the front porch of your house, right? It's like the stairs in your front porch should always work and always be there, but if it's broken, you're gonna notice it. Well, that's a great analogy. <laughs> I, you know. I think that's kind of the case. I mean, I you know, obviously we're talking out of school. We don't know the ins and yeah. outs of, of, of it. But to me, it would seem that way. Like, I don't I don't see them making enough money where it matters from that standpoint. You know, they care about the movie yeah. properties. But if they yeah. start causing problems, then that that could, you know, that could affect it more so than I mean, just think of it from a corporate perspective, you know, thinking it thinking of it from that perspective. I can only, you know, it's it's when you do something good, nobody gives a shit. When you do something bad, everybody takes notice. Yeah, yeah and maybe CB is there to start making things. I mean, just kind of make it so nobody notices. Well, and I think they're caught in a tough place. They're caught in kind of a rock and hard place because in the world that we live in, especially the online world, um, so many of you know, you have to walk a tightrope. If you're if you're in business and you're in some sort of you know media publishing, any kind of company, if you're a public company now, and you're offering something to the public, and you do something that upsets the the more socially you know minded crowd that it seems to be on Facebook and Twitter and 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 your younger uh, audience members, if you do something that pisses them off. It can cause a lot of problems, but with Marvel, the you know, the problem seems to be that's you know that's not their base fan. 
as far as the comic books. You know, it's like the 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 base fan they they trying to appease this audience that they thought existed and it didn't seem to work. Um I don't know if it did or not. You know, it just I mean, I'm not trying to come out against diverse comic books or diverse characters or any anything like that. I'm just kind of looking at the situation of going, okay, from my perspective of it, it looks like, you know, they tried all these things with all these different legacy characters and, and changed them into, you know, newer uh, versions of these characters. And the sales did not reflect well. And the fan base that was there for so many years before did not like what they were doing. Now, there's many reasons why that could be. Um, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to try and answer all that. But the reality of it is their sales declined this year. And I think you saw a lot of problems with these books that that are now you know some of them are getting canceled and probably more of them are going to get canceled moving forward um so they're in this weird place of like well we're trying to make this online very vocal socially uh you know conscious audience happy we don't want to piss them off but in doing so we're not selling books so what do you do? You know, you, they're kind of stuck in this weird place. And and DC, I think, has done a better job of, of navigating that a little bit and, you know, not pissing off all of their uh, core fans by, you know, you know, d- sort of tearing apart their core characters and yet right. offering some diversity as well. So I, I don't know. I think Marvel just kind of went full tilt into it. And then it didn't work out, and then they scramble, you know? Yeah, which is- I think Marvel is realizing that this vocal minority uh, isn't their audience. It's just they're just riling everybody up, saying, you know, you've got to have more diversity. You've got to more have more, you know, Asian characters, female characters, which is fine. There is a place for that at Marvel, uh, but maybe they'll have to do, uh, like, an anthology book, like a 64-page quarterly book or something like that with with individual and not put all their eggs in one basket with uh you know america and iceman and you know something like that Um, i don't know it's a weird it's a weird thing you know it i think it's been proven it's really hard to create new characters for these companies like nobody seems to want to read new characters nobody gives a shit about it you know um so it's all sort of like a rehash of the old characters I, but if you're not creating new characters, then okay, then you you know the the philosophy of well, let's take the Hulk and and get rid of Bruce Banner and and have you know the younger Asian Hulk. Um, let's get a Wolverine and make you know a younger female Wolverine. Let's get rid of Thor and make a you know female Thor. That kind of thing. It it didn't seem to work out that well. It didn't seem like people were mm-hmm. interested in for, and it could be many reasons. Like it's not, I don't know that it's just because of that. I mean, if they were also great books, if they, you know, if they were terrifically written and drawn books, I don't, you know, it's like the mighty Thor by Jason Aaron. I don't hear people complaining about that book that off. You know what I mean? Like I don't hear a lot of people yeah. complain about that because it's Jane Foster. Well, it's you, Jason Aaron. It's a exactly. good book. It's a good book. It's a really good book. I think the litmus test for this type of thing we're going to see is, I mean, Marvel introduced a whole bunch of new characters, but they didn't put, you know, top 
A-list talent on there, and they expected the audience to be there with whatever talent they threw on it. DC is getting ready to release all these new characters. I think they're calling it the new age of heroes, but they are putting their top talent on every one of these books. So I think we're going to see, I mean, I'm not saying I think DC is going to be successful at it where Marvel wasn't, but I'm interested to see if the fact that they're putting really good talent on these new, you know, these new characters or in in these new books is going to do make it any better than what Marvel did. Well, that's the funny thing too, is like Marvel had this, you know, horrible year and DC still barely capitalized on it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I was like two months out of the year that I think they outsold Marvel, you know, in, at least in single issues. I don't know about. Trades, well, that, there's an argument can be made for, you know, issue distribution based upon the fact that Marvel overships a bunch of stuff too. So that's true. I'd be more well, interested can- to yeah. See on there. I'd be more interested to see on what they actually sold from the retailers, not just shipped. But Chris, why don't you go ahead well, and start that, us on the Yeah, that kind of that kind of leads into our next story. It kind of flows in, but um, talking about the state of the industry at the local level, at the local comic shop level, there are several different articles uh, throughout uh, December and into January about just the whole state of uh, of where we're at and how really. You know, when just reading these articles, guys, it's surprising that I know we we started out with Challengers Comics in Chicago, Sal, which you could probably speak to. Um, You know, their sales were down. It said uh, they tweeted out down 6.8 percent from 2016. And this is our lowest yearly total since 2013. Took the biggest hits overall. Uh, It's as if 2017 only had 11 months of sales, which is awful. Uh, and then even, you know, that's Chicago and, and out in San Diego, the Villainous Liars comics of San Diego, their store, uh, they had terrible sales and they're even going to cut back their hours and not. Um, it looks like they're going to they're going to they're uh, they're cutting everything by 15 percent. They're going to have issues that are more than four weeks old be one dollar. Those are going to go straight to the dollar bin. Which means that tells me right there they're not going to be ordering extra stock. Uh, they're just going to be ordering what's pre-ordered, and if it doesn't sell, if the person doesn't come in, uh, they're just going to throw it in the back issue bin four weeks later. They're they're discounting their trade paperbacks uh, by four. We get the fifth free, um, and they're going to even cut back on their. Uh, it looks like from what I from what I gather, they're going to cut back on special promotions. Uh, you know whether it's that staying. Uh, their their hours um you know whether it's be like magic the gathering tournaments that, that we do here at our local store or something like that uh but they're just going to be cutting it back uh, just across the board and you know those are just two stores but i i'm sure this is going on uh at stores a- across the the country um uh though there's another one the ryan higgins of conspiracy uh comics conspiracy in sunnyvale uh he actually said uh, their year-to-year sales were up 3.4%. Uh, however, his Marvel sales were down 9% 2017 to 2016. So there you have it. Um, what are you, what's your take, Sal? I'd be interested in here. You're pretty close to you know, the comic shop. You, you and, you and uh, uh, Chris and... And uh, I want to say Andy Tom, but no, Tom Gators <laughs> uh, recorded at a show for years. So you, you've seen this firsthand. Yeah, well, 
funny enough, I mean, I I know Patrick from Challengers, and we recorded the round comics there for for a couple of years after we moved from a different comic shop where we had started at, and um, it's a great shop. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, Patrick's been in the comic book business for a long time, and him and Dal, who run that store, uh, I think are very forward thinking. They're very open minded. There, it is not a um, you know, sort of dungeon uh, of geek uh, type of comic book shop. It is very well lit. They uh, they have a whole nother section they opened up uh, that is specifically geared towards kids comics. Um, you know, they carry a lot of trades. It's it's a great shop. It's an awesome, awesome shop. If it was close to me, I would be in there all the time just to hang out. Um, so for them to be doing this bad is uh, frightening. You know, it's, it's, uh, I can't imagine what small shops in little towns are doing. Um, and the idea that, you know, Marvel sales are down this bad it, at, at, you know, a handful of shops that we know about, it's, it would be really interesting to find out numbers across the board. I don't know that we ever will, um, who's going to put that together, but, uh, I don't know, man, it's, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for comics in general. You know, we've had a lot of store closings over the last couple of years. Um, I don't think you're growing an audience. I don't think you're getting new readers as much as they kind of are trying that. Um, I don't think it's working. I don't think the people that go to see movies are coming into the comic book store to buy stuff. And if they are, they're not figuring out what to buy or where to buy it or, you know, where to start. Um, they're getting or getting frustrated or something. That to me, that's the biggest mistake is not being able to capture any of that. I can't see how that's possible. I don't see how it is not possible to capture just a small fraction of the millions of people that go to see the Avengers or Captain America or the Black Panther that's coming out Um, to not really effectively put together some sort of marketing campaign to to at least get a small, tiny fraction of a percentage of those people to come into a comic book store and buy a comic is just, to me, the the biggest flaw in their business. Um, you have this uh, monstrous audience that obviously likes the characters and the stories that you've been telling for 70 years, and yet you can't get them to pick up a comic book. Hi, that's just such a huge failure. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what it spells for Marvel moving forward. I don't know what it, what it means for the comic book industry moving forward. It, I know it doesn't sound really good for comic book shops and with digital comics, with places like, you know, uh, in stock trades and, and, and DCBS, um, with, uh, apps like Hoopla. Um, and I think with even more prevalent, you know, pirating and with Amazon and that kind of thing, uh, it's going to, it's not going to get easier to, to run a comic book store. Tom, what do you, uh, Tom, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, Tom, fuck it. From now on, uh, you're just going to be Tom. No. Um, Andy, can, I, can I interject? Uh, no. I, I, I've got a question. Can you buy, I've actually never even looked into this, but can I subscribe to, you know, Captain America on Amazon and have them send like a comic shop like like Insect Rays or DCBS. Can I do that through Amazon? I don't. Well, they're Comicsology, so can you subscribe on Comicsology 
No, but can I do it for a for the periodical though? You can subscribe to the periodical, but not. I don't think it's through Amazon. It's uh, not through Amazon. No, if I'm okay. not mistaken, there are certain. Um, uh, I'm not. Uh, I can't really give any specifics because I don't know. But okay. my understanding is that there are certain retail, larger retailers. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't know if this is them or not, but I'll throw out Midtown Comics out there. Um, something like a Midtown Comics. It's a, a high volume retailer out there that Marvel or DC or dark horse or image may entrust to handle their subscription sale. And that's usually negotiated through the publisher and that retailer. Okay. And that's how that, that that's done. So if I were to subscribe from to captain America, for example, that may in fact be handled through midtown comics. If they were the ones that just happened to be doing Mar had the contract for Marvel subscriptions. Okay. Interesting. It, well, I think, can't you still go on the Marvel Comics website and get a subscription to their comics? I believe you can. I think you still yeah. can do that, but they don't promote that in any way. No, you know, because no, of the comic book like, stores. Right, and it's not like they put ads in the back in the middle of your comic book like they used to with, you know, the human torch flying there and you had a cutout where you could cut it out and check mark which comics you wanted sent to you with you know with a check for $4.75 for 6 months worth of comics. I mean, our, our industry's changed a big, a significant amount. They know full well that somebody's not going to cut up their comic books. And the other thing, too, is, you know, obviously it's significantly more expensive than when they used to do that subscription service back in, you know, the early 80s and late 70s. So, you know, you know, a 12-month subscription to a comic, you're looking at about, you know, $70 if you're going to charge regular retail for it. So if I'm on, on uh, Marvel.com right now. I go to the the... X-Men Gold Annual Number 1, which is coming out January 10th this week. And it says uh, digital issue not available. And it says print issue in stores January 10th. Uh, please put in your zip code and to find a store. So, so they're yeah. not even offering the subscription service through their website? No, not something brand new. Maybe something older. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look into it. Yeah. Well, they're they're in that place that, you know, I'm in the same uh, place with my company. I, I work for a company that is a manufacturer. And most of our business is done through specialty stores. Mm -hmm. um, and so as much as we would probably be more profitable and it would be easier for us to sell direct to the public as opposed to through specialty stores, we, we can't do that because we have all these stores that we rely on. You know, and if all of a sudden they all shut down or they all go F you, you know, and we don't sell direct to the public, it could destroy our business. You know, it could it could shut us down, cripple us. So it's this game of like, we're not, you know, even though we could offer this to you, we have it right here and I could sell it to you. I can't. It's it, it's sort of like Marvel's going, hey, hey, look, buddy, uh, you want uh, you, you want Captain America? I got it right here, but I can't sell it to you. You got to walk into that store and I'll go around the back and I'll come through the back door and give it to the guy behind the counter and he'll sell it to you. It's this, yeah. you know, it's an it's a outdated um, way of doing business. It just but, you know, what would happen if all of a sudden tomorrow Marvel just went, you know what, we're going to sell direct to anyone. We're going to sell subscriptions, monthly subscriptions uh, at half the cover price that you're used to paying because we can do that. Yeah. Um, every, sure comic can book do store, that. every comic book store on the planet would go out of business. And how would that, you mm -hmm. know, 
So now you also then have to have the infrastructure put in place to, for delivery and, and all that stuff. You know, I don't even know if they want to be in that business. Then you're a distributor. Then you're a retailer. Does Marvel want to be a retailer? You know, I don't know. I, it, it's, it, but it's this weird place they find themselves in. They're, they're stuck, once again. The, I, I, the, the more I think about it, the more I look at it, it's like the comic book industry is in a very weird place, and they're in a, they're in a, a tough place. It's a tough mm-hmm. uh, business model right now, it, it, and nobody has figured it out. Nobody has figured out how to make it better um, without either just completely destroying it um, or, you know, uh, coming up with something just absolutely brand new that that replaces it. I don't know. There's got to be something because obviously there's an audience, but we're seeing less and less of that audience being happy, (laughs) you know, and and (laughs) the retailers aren't happy. The audience isn't happy. uh, The creators aren't particularly happy. I don't think. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's not a great place for comics even though there's some great comics coming out and you have more interest in these characters than ever before that's the weird thing to me that's the bizarre thing is there are more people that know captain america that know i mean that know the stories behind this stuff you know uh that know who thanos is and know who the you know know what the uh infinity stones are and know you know it's like these people uh, go online and research this stuff for the movies, and you're telling me you can't get them to buy a goddamn comic book. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't buy it. Something's wrong. Well, uh, let me add something a little here. I reached out to uh, one of the larger retailers in the country. We'll just, uh, for the sake of argument, we'll just call him Comic Mart. And um, I talk, I reached out to Comic Mart to see if I could get some kind of um, – feeling you know because we heard from you know comics conspiracy we heard from challengers in those two articles from comics beat and bleeding cool and whoever else published them and then i think villainous lair was the other one but um i reached out to comic martin i said basically you know are you seeing any of the same results that these two articles or these three articles are, are seeing and what are your thoughts and they mentioned that, that they had pretty much an even year in their period their periodicals between which publishers um how much they were selling versus Marvel versus DC, what was down, what was up. But what they really saw in, in general was that they did have a drop in single issues, but they had a sign, I shouldn't say significant, but they had enough of an increase in their collected editions that they were able to have a positive gain on the year compared to, to, to 2016. So they saw an increase in business, but it wasn't in their single issues. It was all in the collected editions. Do you guys think that, um, Maybe there's a trend to go collected editions, and maybe we'll see more comics more viable in the book market, too. Well, I think it already well, is. I, yeah. yeah, I think we've been moving towards that for a long time. I mean, and uh, as far as the, the more classic stuff, and I've talked about this on my podcast at length, is, that's what I talk about. But DC and Marvel and Valiant, uh, for that matter, uh, has really gotten into the, the classic stuff. Just, you know, the good Batman, the good Spider-Man um, with their epic collections and just great uh, collections that people want. They've been pumping out Deadpool over at Marvel and that's what people want. They've been pumping out uh, the good Batman stories and even the golden age stuff is more accessible with their omnibuses. And not only do they do it in hardcover, but they also do it in a much more affordable, you know, $35 format uh, softcover. 
you know, and, and Fanagraphics is doing that too. They did their uh, Peanuts uh, line for what thirty volumes of the entire run of Peanuts, and now they're putting them in softcover format for you know half the price. So I think you know, that's the way to go. Are these great uh, collected editions that people really want? So, uh, you know, the editors and, and the owners of these companies that have the rights, you know, they're going to these people, the creators, and saying, "Hey, this is this would be a great market for you." One, one, one uh, would, that's an amazing success story uh, that I didn't really think much of it was uh, IDW and Library of American Comics reissued Lynn Johnson's For Better or For Worse comic. Uh, or strip, and that's a strip from the from the 80s and into the 90s that that was pretty good, um, but uh, uh, you know, and just looking at their sales numbers, it's done way better than expected. So that's a that's really really nice to see a you know, nice win for IDW over there, and I think we're going to continue to see that. And and I was thinking just today in in getting ready for this show. Uh, one of the things they haven't done, whether it's a Fanagraphics or an IDW or something like that, uh, sometime soon they're going to start issuing the Doonesbury uh, comic strips. And when that takes off, that's going to touch uh, people who don't normally read comics because you can read that more on the political section uh, than in the comic book, uh, the comic strip section. So that's going to touch – so that when that finally gets released, like Peanuts – that's going to touch a wide range of demographics, and you're going to see that fly out the shelves. Uh, so it's these legacy characters like that and the good runs that you're going to see. And, and so far, Marvel's, Marvel and DC and these other companies are doing a good job of, of you know, of, you know, uh, taking an inventory of what they have and what they need to do and, and what would be a good seller for them. Uh, and I think that we're going to continue that moving into the future. Yeah, you know, I think, when I, oh, go ahead, Sal. Well, I was going to say, ahead, so. I, I think that, um, you know, I don't I don't have it at, at my fingertips here, but I know there's been a couple of articles this year I remember reading about how, you know, bookstore sales are up. You see comics, and not just Marvel and DC, but, you know, there are um, stuff like American Board and Chinese, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids' uh, comics um, that are trades, graphic novels, that kind of thing, whatever you want to call it, uh, that had tremendous success in bookstores and in Scholastica and, um, and, uh, the, the, that market makes so much more sense to me than the single issue. Single issues are, are, it's a bad, it's a, it's a bad product. I mean, I just think (laughs) you're you're absolutely right at this point in time, single issues of comics are a bad product. Um, you're you're absolutely right. They're too expensive. They're they're too fast. They're put out too fast, so the quality's not great. You don't give people enough time to actually work on them in this day and age. I mean, you just we don't have the Jack Kirby's of the world that can pump out pages and pages and pages as fast as he did. But that guy doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like the 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 single issue format is just a bad product, and it should be replaced um, with something that's more viable, which I think a a graphic novel is, but it exists because comic book stores exist. And if you stopped publishing single issues, um, you know, there's a lot of comic book stores that wouldn't exist any longer would, you know, cry and, and just, you know, be destroyed. And there'd be a lot of tears in the comic book universe, but I think it has to happen. I think it's going to happen inevitably, no matter what. I just don't think that that bad product, bad marketplace can continue to go on and, and, um, 
you're seeing, you know, declining sales year after year in, in single issues, and you see increasing sales in trades and graphic novels. I think it just makes more sense. And especially going back to what I was talking about earlier, I'm going to harp on it again. You know, if you go and see the latest Marvel movie and then you want to read more about it, if by some chance you go, hey, I want to read about this character, uh, there's a bunch of comic books out there. What's more likely something you're going to pick up? A $20 trade that's 120 pages or whatever and, and is a complete story? that you can read start to finish or a single issue that you don't know where the fuck the story is, or if the character is even anything to do with the one you just got done seeing the movie about. Um, and it costs four bucks for 22 pages. Well, the instant gratification is over in 10 minutes when you're done with that single issue too. Yeah. And you, and you can't, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I hate single issues now. And I get them digitally just so I don't have to have boxes of single issues of the stuff that I buy on occasion. Um, trades are just such a better format to me. It's a better story. It's a better better way to read a story, you know. Um, I would agree. If it was and, cheap, and, if it was like it was when we were younger and it was cheap, it was a court, you know, it was cheap to get a comic at yeah, at a gas station or at a, at a convenience store or whatever. If it was easy for kids to pick them up and, and get them into that. Which is what they should be. If you want to keep publishing them, they should be cheap and easy and simple, and kids should be able to grab them for you know a buck or whatever it is you know at the store when they're in line with their mom uh, or dad or dads or moms or whatever it is. Uh, th th that's what single issues should be for, but they're not. They're trying to be collectibles still. They're trying, you know, lenticular covers and, you know, sketch covers and this kind of cover and that kind of cover. Why are, why are all these covers exist? These different alternate covers exist because the fucking shit inside isn't worth the four bucks you're charging for it. Well, so. that's part of the reason I like that. All, uh, I think it's Alterna Comics is doing the newsprint. I mean, they're cheap, publishing them as cheap as they possibly can, and they're trying to make their money on the back end with some collected editions. And I think that if. You know, eventually, I think somewhere, if we're going to keep publishing single issues, as be treated as a loss leader and make that money on the collected editions later on. I would think so. That seems to make sense to me, but I don't know the business enough, you know, from that mm -hmm. side of it to say whether it is feasible or not. Well, we've talked about this for a while. Maybe so we should move on, Sal. Change pace to video games a little bit. All right, sounds good. Let's shift gears. I uh, I brought a story that was disturbing to me. Um, this is still kind of an ongoing thing, but I, I thought it was really, um, I guess, interesting. It's intriguing. It's, it's, it's disturbing on a lot of levels. It's basically um, a story about a, a guy who was shot and killed in his front yard um, after an argument uh, between two video game players. They were playing a game of Call of Duty, two guys, and they got into an argument over a $2 bet. And um, be, before you know it, the, the one uh, guy uh, who was accused of, of this uh, thing, uh, making a, a, a fake phone call, he calls 911, and he basically tells the police uh, that the guy he got into an argument with um, has uh, holed up in his house with his family. He uh, he shot one of them. He's taken the rest of the family hostage. He's got a bunch of guns. He makes this whole claim, and he gives them the address of what he thinks is the guy who he got in an argument with online. 
I doesn't know this guy. He lives in a completely different state. Um, I don't know how he got the guy's address or whatever. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I think the other guy somehow supplied his address or something, but it was a, it was the wrong address. So the cops get this. They go to the address where they think this is happening, and um, uh, a gentleman answers the door who lives there. He has no knowledge of anything that's going on with this. And before you know it, uh, he's shot and killed by the police. Um, to say it's disturbing is, is an understatement. It's it's horrifying on so many levels. I mean, I, to me, you know, the amazing thing is this sort of thing doesn't happen that often. You know, looking into the article and reading a little bit more about it, you know, as long as a, a game like Call of Duty has been around for 10 years and online play and that kind of stuff has been going on for so long, there's only been about 400 incidences of this kind of thing. And it's called swatting um, because basically the joke is, hey, I'm going to send the SWAT department in your town to your house and tell them that you're you know, doing something horrible and they need to come there and bust in your door. And, it, and it's happened. You've seen video of stuff happening. This is the first time anyone's been killed. Um but I, I, I don't even know where to really start with this. It's so disturbing to think that, that you know, a grown man sitting there playing a fucking video game gets in an argument online, and his reaction to it, to losing it or not getting paid or whatever, a $2 bet, is to call the police and make a hoax, fake prank phone call in the hopes that the SWAT department busts down this guy's door. I don't know what kind of fucked up human being that is. I don't understand how you come to that idea, like how you are so detached from emotion or so, you know, just sort of disillusioned from reality that you don't understand how horrific that kind of thing is. Now, obviously, I'm not going to get into the psychology of people that do fucked up things. People do fucked up things all the time. I don't understand it, but I, you know, this story interested me on, on a couple of different levels. One you know, online video games. How does this affect uh, that, you know, model? And who's responsible? You know, is this Call of Duty, is the manufacturer of this game, do they have some responsibility in this? You know, obviously the guy who makes the call is responsible. He, you know, he initiated, the, he created this problem. But, you know, if you're a video game manufacturer and you create this place where people can connect from all over the planet and someone on there does something horrific, are you culpable in some way? I don't know. I'm sure that those lawsuits will, will, will happen. I can't imagine they won't. But are they? I, I'm not sure. Um, the police. I mean, that's the one thing in this article and in the couple of articles that I read about is that nobody really is talking about is why did they shoot this guy? He wasn't armed. They asked, right. now according to the police, they asked him to put his hands up and he moved his hands to his waistband. Um, and they shot and killed him. Uh, and I can't, I, I, I can't even imagine, like, I can't imagine this on so many levels of, like, my own reaction if the police end up, you know, knock on my door, however they enter, you know, whatever, all of a sudden pull out a bunch of squad cars and SWAT guys surround my house and I come walking out the front door and they're there. I don't know how I'm going to react. I have no idea. You know, like, that would be such a, a foreign alien fucked up situation who knows what am i, am I going to even 
you know, I'm going to panic. Obviously, I'm going to probably freak out and not know what's going on. But am I going to have the wherewithal to put my hands above my head or, or, you know, who knows if he could even hear him or what? You know, but why is the first reaction to, you know, to shoot this guy dead? Right. And that's actually go ahead. I I actually had dinner with a police officer tonight and I asked him that. So I'll, I'll speak on that later. And I'm, you know, listen, I'm not one to sit here and bitch and complain about police. I I am friends with plenty of police officers. I know what their job is like. I know what it entails. But in this particular incident, it's like, you know, I there has to be a better way to handle this situation. Obviously, it's fucked up. And this guy made a horrible decision to call 911 and pull a prank. And then... It, you know, it's just a bad thing all around, obviously. And this poor family, this guy gets killed and, and has nothing to do with any of it. That's the, you know, that's the, the the crazy thing. It's like this guy didn't have anything to do with any of it. And then you have these people online that are responsible and they're not going to get tried like for murder. They're not, you know, this guy's going to get tried for a hoax, uh, you know, a, a prank call basically is what he did that that ended up in, a you know, uh, a death. And I'm sure, you know, it's not going to be great for him, but I don't know, man. It's so weird to think that this is what people are using the Internet for. (laughs) You know, as as much of an amazing tool that the Internet is, this kind of thing is what also can happen. And it's and it's so messed up and, and, and strange and bizarre. And like I said, obviously, it doesn't happen all the time. It, this is the first time anyone's ever been killed because of it. But there's such a breakdown in this whole process from the very beginning, um, to, you know, to, that unfortunately ended it in this guy's death. And I just, I just wanted to bring it up. I just, I, I don't really have anything particularly to say about it. Honestly, I don't have anything, uh, any kind of insight. I, you know, I, I did contact the writer of the article um, from the, um, uh, the. There was one article in the Guardian, but there was an article in the Wichita Eagle, which is the local newspaper there. And I contacted the journalist. It was a woman who wrote the article about that. And I tried to get some more information from her. Unfortunately, she never got back to me. I wanted to, I wanted to try and get some more information about how the town is handling it and what the thoughts, the feelings are of the people in Wichita and the people that live around this guy. And, and, you know, this, all of a sudden your neighbor and maybe, you know, the father of a kid, you know, or a I don't even know what this guy did, but somebody in this town is dead because of some asshole, you know, a thousand miles away playing Call of Duty. And I'm not, you know, I play Call of Duty. I play video games. I'm not, you know, coming down on video game players or video games, you know, anything like that. But I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with this kind of a thing happening. Is it just do we just kind of play it off or or or, or, or write it off to, hey, it's just some fucking idiot that that did something really bad. And unfortunately some guy got killed because of it. And, and, or is there, you know, is there anything to learn from it? Is there anything that we can try and learn from and make sure that this doesn't happen again, whether it's the police handling things differently, whether it's call of duty, figuring out something, whether it's, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. What do you guys, you know, what do you guys feel about this at all? Chris, you want to go first? You want me to go? Well, why don't you discuss, if you can, what the, your uh, policeman friend said? All right. Well, first of all, I, I did have dinner with a, a police officer tonight uh, who actually has had SWAT training in the past. 
Uh, he's not currently on a SWAT uh, SWAT team, but he has SWAT has had SWAT training. And I asked him, um, my curiosity. I, well, I asked him about the whole situation and what he thought of it. And I asked him during the course of our conversation wh- why, when the guy dropped his hands to his to his to his hips, according to the articles that we read anyway, did um, did they shoot him? And he he basically explained to me that when SWAT's brought in, uh, there's a different type of protocol. Well, I shouldn't say a different type of protocol, but there's a protocol where you're on like super high alert, if that doesn't if that makes sense. And a lot of these guys are going to carry not necessarily this guy particularly, but any guy you go into a situation with where it's already been reported that there's he he has guns. In this case, they was reported that he has guns. He's already killed someone. Uh, he's threatening to kill two other people, family members, and he's doused the entire house in gasoline and threatened to set it on mm. fire. So at this point, the police officers know the situation. They've already done the research going in and they're approaching it. And there's this guy coming out. They're telling him to put his hands on his head. He does it at first, but then he lowers his hands to his waist. And typically with a lot of, um, especially in, in, in most cases, a lot of gang members are going to carry firearms in the back of their, in the, in the back waistband. I mean, if you know anybody that has a concealed carry permit, that's a lot of time, even where concealed carry permits and holsters are carried in the back waistband of your pants. So when he drops his hands to his to his hips, the, in, the protocol is if they doesn't if he doesn't you know um, follow directions that's to protect themselves, they're going to open fire on him. Now I don't know the specifics of this particular one, and he didn't know the specifics either. But it doesn't surprise him that they would shoot if he didn't follow directions. In this case, the that's police awful. were looking for them to follow directions specifically because of the heightened. The, the heightened situation. But it's not a heightened um, situation. That's the problem. Is well, that they, you said, well, they did the research, but they didn't really do the research. They didn't. They, got a they phone didn't do the call, research. Yeah. Well, and they, they just did, made the assumption the research that the phone call was No, but what I'm saying well, is the problem is, is there's a breakdown there. There's a, there's, a, them. There's, a, there's, a, there's misinformation that's being treated as truth. And then it, the, the, the rest of the situation is handled as if it's 100% truth, and it's not. And... Well, I guess what I'm saying, the research is that the the police are going into that expecting everything on that 911 call to be truth. And there's no verification that it's a hoax at that point. But, I, think that, I think you'd verify yeah. that by somebody knocking at your door and you answering it and saying, hey, who's here? Well, you know, and you'd open call. the door. If, if, if you're a yeah, if you're barricaded in with gasoline everywhere, you're probably not going to answer the door. You know, they're probably going to so kick too. it open. We didn't you know? talk about that, but I know. Like I, said, I mean, I'm not. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Andy. But you know, it's just. It seems like, you know, if I'm having family dinner at six o'clock on a Sunday and somebody comes to the door, I'll look at the window, see who's there, and if there's a bunch of cops out there, I'll answer and say, "Hey guys, what's up?" Not not ex- not being in a, a defensive situation, not knowing what's going on, and you're next thing you know, you've got 18 guns staring at you in the SWAT team. It's like, yeah, I'd be kind of freaked out, too, because he has no idea what situation. So the, the cops probably could have handled this a little bit better. There's I think no they doubt. probably could have, absolutely. Yeah. But I think this guy, probably what happened is this guy has no idea why they're there, and he's probably right. panicking a little bit. Yeah. And to be honest, they t- they're telling him to put his hands over so he doesn't understand why, and he starts trying to explain what's going to what's going on, and he drops yeah. his hands, and they think it's a threatening move. Um, well, I mean, here's... To me, that you know that obviously makes sense, but I think the the problem is is more of a systematic problem that 
systemic problem of that the reaction immediately from the phone call is to proceed with deadly weapons, to proceed with the default stature of we are going to shoot to kill. There's no um, technology. There's no procedure. There's no equipment. There's no money or training put into any other resource other than in this situation, the f- the first reaction is shoot to kill. And that is, is more what I'm talking about, how there's a failure here, is that, you know, th- these police are armed like military, and they're dealing with the public. Mm-hmm. It's not a war zone. We're not, you know, I mean, this is Wichita, Kansas. It- it's not uh, Afghanistan. It's not Iraq. This is not, um, you know, while crazy things happen from time to time in the suburbs, don't you think that there's some better protocol that could be handled from this? I mean, like I said, what I don't understand is why not a phone call to start? Mm-hmm. I mean, from anything I've ever seen about any kind of hostage negotiation, don't you have to make contact to, to negotiate? Why was there oh, not this- even a fucking phone call made to this guy? Or his family, or anyone in the house, before. But we don't know much about that. Yeah. I know. To I know. Story. Obviously, no, I'm not... we don't know. I mean, you, you'd figure also that the nine one one dispatch would see that the guy is calling from California, saying there's a family held up in Wichita, Kansas. Well, how would he even know this? You know. You know. That's even. There's so many questions to yeah. this, and I'm sure everything's going to be coming out not only from the guy who. It looks like he's done this before with bomb threats. Yeah, um, that was interesting. Which is, you know, and, it's and a then disturbing, so, yeah. Yeah, so he's on a watch list. I mean, and then, you know, there's the breakdown in communication with the police. And, you know, could could they have, you know, looked inside the windows or, or you know, a phone call like, like Sal said or something like that. And then, you know, what if, I mean, I was just, when you you guys were talking there, I was just trying to think of myself as the actual guy who was in the converse, the the confrontation, right? The guy with, who didn't pay the two dollar bet. How, you know, he's probably like, I'm never going to go online again in my life because well, who knows who is out there, you know? According and, to one, and that's kind of what I taught. Well, I, that's what I was telling my kids. I'm like, you don't know who you're talking with, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or an online. I mean, we talk about we're on Discord, right? or slack or anything like that you just have to be careful you know seriously uh, no doubt and and you know it's like i don't want i, I don't want to like overreact to this it's it's obviously a, a horrible tragedy and it's not like okay don't play video games or don't go online or you know everybody's a psycho or that kind of thing either but right. <laughs> it's just i don't know man it's so disturbing to think that these things that are supposed to be for entertainment and fun and communication can be wielded in such a horrible, horrific way too. And it's the cost of it. I get that, you know, it's the cost of the freedom of it and the ability to, you know, pick up the phone and talk to you in, in, uh, Detroit and, and Andy in Indiana, uh, in Indiana and I'm in Chicago and, you know, it's like, we're, we're recording this and we have that ability to do that because of the internet. 
but it's also, you know, the ability to call the police and fake, a, you know, a hostage situation on a guy that doesn't even know it's going to happen. I mean, that's right. It's like, oh, hey, guess what? You're going to fucking, you know, knock, knock. And you don't even know uh, what, what led to any of this. And, right. uh, and then you're dead. You know, and it's just well. And what's to say that there's there could be a copycat on a on a bigger stage saying, you know, somebody calls up your office, Sal, and says somebody's got a hassle situation in your office, and the SWAT team shows up, right? You know, and starts. So, I mean, you could do this on a larger scale or a movie theater, and it's just the the idea that it's it's it is horrific and it's just awful that it's even you know happening. So. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy because it's like, as the internet is more and more accessible and easier to get online and easier for people to, you know, uh, it's it's um, it's not going to happen less. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like people aren't going to get less frustrated or angry at each other or get into less arguments online. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. Oh, going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, it's a disturbing story. Yeah, I, I don't let's not forget. I mean, the real villain of this is this jerk off in California who decided to pull his shit. Oh, yeah, he's no in doubt. trouble. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the other thing that, I especially want to tell my son, who's probably going to listen to the show. He listens every every time we do a show, but don't give your address out or your real name on video game networks. But it didn't matter. Andy didn't matter. He didn't. He didn't give his real address. Out. Well, I mean, even if somebody tells him, you, you know. know even though he gave him a fake address, look what happened. Next time you yeah. tell the guy to fuck off, really. Well, and then you just you just shut it off, and then you just leave, right? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now let me ask you this: Does, um, and I think there was already some some people looking into this or whatever, but does Call of Duty have any responsibility to this? I mean, they have a guy on their network who has had his has a record for calling in bomb threats to schools. Um, you know, well, it's I not like to do background checks yeah, to give somebody a Xbox live account. Right. You know. But you know, you're promoting a game of violence. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, like I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest like all of a sudden, Beth, you know, game companies have to be responsible for this behavior of someone, but it is a, it's a confusing discussion when you start sitting and going, you're you're making millions, millions, billions of dollars off of a game of violence, a game where people get online and kill one another. Mm-hmm. And then when some psycho takes it too far and gets someone killed, you know, do you look at the game? Do you look at the company that's making billions of dollars off of it? Billions of dollars. That's, you know, I, uh, that's a slippery slope when you get, I agree. I absolutely agree. But, you know, looking at it from a really, you know, high perspective, looking at it from way up high and and trying to to sit here and just say as a society, as human beings, you know, online gaming has been around for what, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. I don't even know, you know, um, Do we, you know, and I've I've never and I've never been the type of person that says, well, games lead to this. You know, it's like, oh, you, you, you know, I don't, I've never believed that. I don't I don't think it's the case. I don't think it's true that like you know, violent games lead to violence. But 
it, it's hard not to put a little bit of blame on a company that makes all this money off of selling violence to one another. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, promoting I mean, violence it's the same manner because it, it's not like it, it's not like it used to be where you're playing against a computer. Now you're killing the avatar of another human being. You're actively trying to kill the representation of another human being. Is that different? Does that, you know what I mean? Does that change how we look at these games in any way? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it should or that it, I'm just putting that out there of like, I could always sort of defend it because it was like, oh, well, kids know what's real and kids know what's different. I knew what was real and what wasn't real. I knew, you know, whether it was a horror movie, whether it was a, you know, violence, whether it was a video game, whatever it was, comic books, I know what's real. I know what's not real. You know, I know that if I go into a video game and I shoot a bunch of, of, you know, digital bad guys or digital characters, it doesn't mean anything. But if I'm going online and I'm I'm trying to kill somebody as they're running around and, and the graphics are so real now and the world is so real now and you're talking to that person as you're doing it and you're taunting one another and you're, you know what I mean? Is that different? Is that, <laughs> at what point, it's almost like this weird sort of like Philip Dick, you know, story of like, at well, what yeah. point... Do you know? Does do we transcend? Uh, so that reminds me of of the the new Star Wars Battlefront commercial, where you've got the one guy playing on his couch and the one girl playing on her couch, but yet then they morph into the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Then she's she is walking down the street in an at at, and she fires at the guy's apartment in an at at, right? Yeah. And then then it, it goes off the walls. And then next thing you know, she's in a stormtrooper uniform going after him and he's going after her. I mean, that that commercial right there is really disturbing because she is out to kill that man. Right. I mean, and that's it's what not it's even like you can kill that your is neighbors. totally promoting. It was yeah. like when I first saw that, Sal, and now I see it like they showed it watching when I was watching football today, you know, watching the NFL playoffs today. And it's like, man, that is some serious shit they're putting on there. It's, and that talk about violence, man. I mean, it's one thing if they're avatars and they're fighting. Right. But when, when these are real people, she's walking down the goddamn street trying to kill them. You know, that was serious shit. I mean, you know, at what point does it get past just being a game? At what point you know, right. is the psyche of it of sort of, you know, when the graphics get to the point where it's indistinguishable from reality, when we get to a point where we're plugged into VR and you lose sense of reality, because that's coming, you know, these VR mm-hmm. games and it's only going to get better. The technology is only going to, you know, exponentially improve and you're going to plug into these worlds and it's going to be almost indistinguishable from reality and you're chasing your neighbors down and trying to murder them with a chainsaw um does that cause any kind of you know schism in your brain when you unplug you know i don't know i i I don't know. I I, just, I don't know that there's enough evidence, enough information, or enough. But it's it is this. I mean, when you point that out now, of like, yeah, they're promoting. Hey, guess what? You can get online and kill your friends. Mm-hmm. And well, what like, it shows is what it shows is this nutsack over in California. It shows that there's no consequences to the things he done. I mean, he he called in multiple bomb threats in the past to schools, no less. And they even said in the, one of the articles from CNN that he was. 
he was, uh, I believe he was convicted of two years, no less than two years for the bomb threats he called in, yet he was out January 2017. So I don't know what's wrong with the justice system there. Well, yeah. California's but, all fucked up, man. Don't yeah. get me started in California. No. <laughs> but see what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, just like you said, though, I mean, the video games themselves are showing that, well, there's really no consequences of this. It's just throw away. I kill a guy in a video game, it doesn't really mean anything. And now I think they can you know, call bomb threats in and it doesn't mean anything. And he obviously thought this swatting things was just a prank. And unfortunately, it's had bad consequences and a man lost his life over it. Well, I don't think it's yeah. going to be the last that we hear of swatting. I don't think this is going to stop it. So it's well, still going to go on. You know? I think it will still go on. But I think that after this situation, I think the police are going to go through some extra training on it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, let's hope so. Hey, want to hit the last why, one? Yeah, oh, yeah, we should move on. We're 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 running long. No, finish up, Sal. What's your what's your what's thought? your last point? Well, I was just going to say, I you know, I would really like to see police dedicate time and energy and money to non-lethal uh, solutions. Sometimes, you know, there's there's absolutely it seems like no effort put into that at any time, and you just see more and more people being killed when they shouldn't be by police officers. We should be protected by police. And I, like I said, I'm, I respect anybody that puts on a badge and walks around or drives around and does that job. Uh, in, in no way would I ever try and take away from that. And I don't blame, um, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there saying police are bad guys or anything like that, but it's like anything else. You, you, you're inundated in a system, you know, and if you're given a tool and that tool is to kill, then that's the job you're going to do with it. You know, if, if you're only given a hammer, you're not going to be able to build, I don't know where my analogy is. You're not going to be able to build a sculpture with, well, you guess you could make a sculpture with a hammer. <laughs> you're not going to be able to paint a beautiful painting with a hammer. You know what I mean? There like, you go. That's you, better. So it's like, we're not, we're giving these guys one tool to deal with problems and it's a difficult problem to deal with. I think they should get better tools and, and that doesn't necessarily mean tanks and, and better guns. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here taking, saying, taking that away, but I don't know, man, this just seems like there could have been, there could have been so many other th ways that this situation played out other than the worst. And yet, it's not surprising that the worst was the one that happened. So, I you know, I, I would be interested in the future to find out what, what the break point is to dispatch a SWAT team versus a normal, you know, squad car to, you know, a call. What, well, what, 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 what puts them to the point where they make that decision versus the quad, squad car versus sending SWAT out to them? Well, I think it's all individual departments, you know, whatever that it's Wichita, Kansas. What is their, chief you know i mean that's who's dictating policy right it's not federal it's i mean it's whatever their chief is determined that's how things are handled i don't know i don't know yeah. i'm not a cop i uh, i don't have enough i don't have enough knowledge to speak yeah you know speak at that to that point on it but one thing i'll we'll learn from all this is you know be a good person don't be a dick like that guy in california <laughs> for sure Please. All right, let's move on to let's move on to the last Jedi. So, <laughs> all right. You want to uh, give a spoiler warning there, Chris? 
Well, if you haven't seen Star Wars, you're an, you're an idiot. So, you know, that's that's my spoiler warning. Everybody has seen it. Everybody has seen it already. Come on. Well, I'd be better off if I hadn't seen it. So, oh. no. Well, okay. That is Shoot. that's one of the things I want to get to. So, um, we've seen it. It's a very polarizing movie. It seems to be more polarizing than the Phantom Menace, which I thought was never going to be possible. Uh, but this movie was so overhyped. Uh, well, it was probably hyped at the appropriate level, I guess. But now we saw it. Now we see what happened. Uh, it didn't go the way us Star Wars purists wanted it to go. But I'm kind of fine with it. I, I haven't seen it. I've only seen it once. I would like to see it again. Uh, but there are some cringeworthy moments, and we talked about it on my Slack channel uh, a little bit. But I, I want to get your guys' take on it. I... There are several scenes which we didn't need. The casino scene, just to give uh, Finn something to do, was dumb. Rose, I didn't really care about her character. Again, a very diverse cast. They're getting the diversity in there, which is fine. Um, it's a big universe and everything. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, the the one thing that I will say, when Lucas was in charge of these movies, this first six movies, there were never any sort of flashbacks whatsoever. Now, with it under J.J. Abrams and the new guy, um, there are flashbacks. There were flashbacks in uh, The Force Awakens, and there are flashbacks here. And I think the flashbacks make it even worse, that they're trying to tell a story within a story. And what I found, and I kind of wrote this on my Slack channel, the story that I want to see happens to be the whole uh, Luke and Ben Solo confrontation and Ben Solo being discovered by Snoke after this confrontation. Like, that's the story I want to read. That's the book that I want to be written. Um, but as far as The Last Jedi goes, I thought it was okay. I, I'll, I, I don't know if I like it more than The Force Awakens. I'll have to see it again, but... Uh, which one of you guys want to go first on on that one? Go ahead, Andy. So you want to go from you want me go to go because I'm going to rant. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Okay. This movie, look, I, I mean, we're all we're all the same age, and and I'm sure that both of you had the same experience I did in 1977 when you stood outside the movie theater for 45 minutes to an hour, wait wait waiting and hoping that you would be able to get a seat and see the movie. Um, I saw it in 19, the original in 1977. I loved it. I loved it so much that my parents bought the record album, and I would sit in front of this old... I have the record album still. That tells the story, right? Yes. This, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I have it still. Yeah. And you probably did the same thing I did. You sat in front of this this record, this stereo that looked like a big, giant piece of furniture. And you sat on the carpet looking at the portfolio that came with it, listening to the whole movie over and over again. And probably because of that, you can recite half the movie. Um, that was me. I loved all those movies growing up. I played with, I was I'm the right generation to play with all the Kenner star Wars toys. It holds a special, special place in my heart. I read all the Marvel books. So I'm not so, but I'm not so nostalgic over it where I hate the prequels and I'm not so nostalgic over it where I, I don't accept other interpretations of it. I like the force awakens. I know a lot of people were complaining about this and that. And, and I even like the fact that it followed the formula of, of episode the original Star Wars, I can't. I just can't bring myself to say Episode Four because it was the first one. So, but it, I know it followed the formula of that, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but this movie made the biggest sin 
of a Star Wars movie you can do. And that's making me look at my watch, hoping it would be over. Because during this movie, it was directionless for the majority of it. And if I start getting into it, I'll start nitpicking it. Um, I mean, there are things that I hated in the movie. I hated that the characters, that they they they, they changed characters' attitudes. And, and I shouldn't say their attitudes, but they changed the character intrinsically where – you know, Luke, for example, he was a character that in the original trilogy, he saw this little sliver of good in the biggest, baddest MFR in the whole galaxy that was unredeemable. And he sacrificed himself, jumped on a, you know, went up to the Death Star where it was certain doom and death to try to redeem his father. Yet this is the guy who's afraid that Ben Solo might turn to the dark side someday. So he decides he's going to kill him in his sleep. I don't buy that as the same character. And then going through the whole movie and having, you know, there's set piece after set piece that didn't make any sense. And, you know, and, and whole different, you know, leaps in logic that were, didn't make any sense. But in the end of the film, Luke Skywalker, who the original trilogy was based off of, he's the guy, all the nostalgic reasons you're going to see this movie that they promoted to get their audience to see this movie ended up being a couch potato who didn't leave the the island the entire movie I, the movie was boring it was a mess it was poorly edited it had no direction it made bad decisions and it was unfortunately i didn't think it was entertainment entertaining at all except for a few sequences anything other than that that's going to be nitpicky and i can nitpick all night so what do you got <laughs> um <laughs> At this point in my life, Star Wars is a lot like pizza to me. Um, some pizza's really good, and some pizza's okay, and none of it's really horrible, and I'm fine with it. I don't need it. I like it. Um, it's never going to be as good as that first pizza. You know, like I was, like you said, I was a little kid when Star Wars came out. It grabbed the zeitgeist of the entire planet. Um, it became a cultural phenomenon. Uh, every kid uh, from five to 50 fell in love with those characters and that story. And we followed it for years and years and years. And now it's just some sci-fi movies. Um, and there seems to be this weird kind of thing where this new generation of Star Wars fans want it to be greater than the original or as good as the original. And it can't be. I mean, not to say that it couldn't be a great movie, not to, not to say that they can't make great Star Wars movies, but it's never going to be that thing again. It's never going to be that original mind blowing thing that grabs everyone's attention because it's based on that, on an original idea. It was an original idea. It was something different. It was something brand new. We had never seen it before. Um, and it was universal. And it touched us all. And it spoke to us. And it can never do it again. It'll never happen again as long as it says Star Wars on it. I don't care what you do to the characters, how you try and invert the story, how you try and move on, how you try to kill the past, how you try and make it more diverse, how do you try and do whatever it is you want to try and do? It's just another Star Wars story. And it'll never be as good as the original ones. Now, that being said, 
I liked it. I thought it was okay. It had some shitty parts. It had some weird, goofy things in it. It had some really bad writing. It had some stuff that didn't make any sense. But it also had some really cool shit. Um, I thought the uh, scene with Ray and Kylo Ren and Snoke was fantastic. I loved the whole idea of it. I loved that they kind of fooled me. I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. I thought the battle was cool. And then at the end of it, I thought, once again, that something different was going to happen than what happened. And I thought that was really neat. Um, uh, you know, the, the, as much as Luke didn't maybe be the Luke that everyone wanted him to be, or the Luke that we remember him to be. And he was a little different and goofy and silly. And there was some weird moments with Yoda and whatever. Um, I'll be honest, the scene where, you know, at the end where he does what he does, I thought was fucking cool. And I thought it was a neat idea. And I thought it was an interesting way to handle that situation. Um, but you know, at the same time, like I get that for whatever reason you you're hiring these young directors that want to make something of their own and they want, they have an agenda, they have something they want to say, they want to move on from star Wars. They maybe don't really want to be making a star Wars movie, but they can't not make a star Wars movie. And so they make this thing where they try and subvert it and they try and um, create something new out of years and years and years of legacy. And you just can't do it. It's going to be a failure. You can't make something unique when it's based on something old. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can try your hardest. You can you can do your best, and you can kill off all the characters, and you can uh, tell us that everything that they represented was wrong. That the gung ho, uh, handsome, you know, cavalier uh, kind of cowboy space pilot is an idiot, and he's just going to get everybody killed. And you can tell us that uh, sacrificing yourself so that other people can live is the wrong thing to do because that's not how we're going to win. And you can tell us that the only people in this universe that seem to make any decisions uh, that that are successful are female. You can do this. All of it. It doesn't matter. It's never going to be original. It's never going to be anything better than what the original ones were. So make a good movie. And... I, you know, I'll watch it because it's like pizza. I'll eat pizza, <laughs> even if it's shitty pizza. I'm going to go and eat it. You know, if I'm uh, if I'm at a party, if I'm someone's house and they order, you know, Little Caesars. Yeah, I'm not going to love it, but I'm still going to fucking eat it. <laughs> and that's what Star Wars is pretty much to me at this point. <laughs> that's a great analogy. <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 it the the. The weird thing that keeps coming out about this is like you have all these people that are so desperate to not be associated with the people that love Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, or so weirdly like uh, angry at themselves for loving it so much that they want to destroy everything about it and they want to push it away so far and they'll they'll accept anything. And there's this weird fight of like, oh, but it made a billion dollars. You know, and it's like like that's some sort of proof of how uh, amazing it is. And and there's this argument out there online of people of like, oh, it's the best Star Wars movie ever. It's the greatest Star Wars film. No, it's not. It, it's nah. not even the best of these Star Wars movies. You know, it, it, it right. was OK. It was fine. And the things that are wrong with it are wrong. They're just bad. They're just poorly done. You know, like you said, the casino, the whole casino thing was just poorly done and the only reason it was done that i can see is one to try and give rose uh 
some reason to exist um, so that like nerdy chubby girls could have a character that they can identify with. Cause that's the yeah. new, you know, that's the new way to, to like get people to identify with characters. It used to be, you make a hero. Um, and that's just, I think that's just an evolving storytelling. Like it's, it's storytelling is sort of evolving and I'm not going to get into why I think it's evolving, but it used to be like you, you'd make a hero and you'd make them sympathetic or you'd make them really amazing and people would like them because of that. They were, you know, super movie stars were handsome and they made everything look easy. You know, take Han Solo. He's funny, he's charming, he's good looking, and he makes everything look easy. People yeah. liked him because of that. But now that's no longer good because people can't accept the fact that they're not amazing and charming and handsome and good at everything. So they need heroes that are, are not amazing, are not charming, are not handsome, are not good at everything. And that's the only way that they can identify with these heroes anymore. So it's like faith in comic books, like the character, you Mm -hmm. know, faith. It's like you have to, there's a segment of the population that can't accept someone being better than them and can't accept a hero who is better than them in in ways. They have to look exactly like them, act exactly like them, be fail, I don't know, not failing, but I mean... I get it, I guess. I, I just don't I don't agree with it necessarily. I don't think it's necessary, but whatever, fine. Um but then when you you make a huge segment of a movie suck because <laughs> you're trying to make this character relevant or trying to make this character, you know, make sense in this movie, um, it just doesn't work. It's just poorly written. And yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that love that character. Uh but, I, you know, I, I can't see where it was well done. I don't see a point where that character was well written. Or Laura Dern's character. You know, there's a, the, she makes the argument or the, the, the argument was made that she doesn't tell Poe her plans because as soon as she does, he goes and tells it to Finn and Rose. And that's how Benicia Del Toro's character ends up you know, helping the, the empire track down the rebels. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But maybe if she would have trusted her people and would have trusted him with this information, right. he wouldn't feel the need to go behind her back because he's trying to save people's lives. And she doesn't deem him worthy of that information. Um, so she'd rather keep it to herself Keep everyone confused because that's what a leader does is keep everybody in the dark and keep everybody confused. That's the best way to lead people Um, and still get everyone killed. Yeah. So and then here's the other part. Okay, the whole thing with Rose at the end with Finn, when Finn's going to sacrifice himself and she stops him from doing that and she saves him and and tells him it's not how we're going to win. We're not going to win by uh, attacking the things we hate. It's by saving the things we love. So the message there to me is it's stupid to sacrifice yourself. uh, And it's better to continue on and fight the good fight and protect the people that you love. Right. Which is completely opposite of the return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, that's fine. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to argue against that. But but 10 minutes later, Laura Dern sacrifices herself. Right. In this epic, you know, uh, <laughs> explosion against a Death Star. Well, Why was that one fairness, okay? 
she was already going down with the ship. So, so her, her doing her, you know, but her the philosophical idea of yeah, why no is it okay for her to sacrifice herself to save people, but it's not okay for Finn to do it. True. <laughs> I don't, under, I don't understand that. I don't, because Finn has a contract for the next movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think it's poor storytelling. Here, yeah. Here's my other point about that. The Laura Dern character. I mean, here's what I'm wondering. Uh, Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi, they mentioned that he was killed off screen during the course of this movie. I mean, they say that, oh, this freighter was blown up and Admiral Akbar was on and he's been killed. Why hire Laura Dern, somebody that they're going to have to pay that much when they could have put Admiral Akbar, a character that people already knew, already liked, and then if he's going to sacrifice himself, there's going to be more emotional impact on a more established legacy character that you could put a generic actor with a mask on than Laura Dern, who, who you have to pay a fortune to. Well, I mean, you know, who knows? I, that, that's you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't make me care about her, though. So her sacrificing herself at the end had no emotional resonance. Well, it's for like you, Rose's sister. I think for people there may have been. <laughs> yeah, for that, that was the other thing with Rose's sister. I didn't even know. I didn't even like that seemed really bizarre, too. She sacrificed herself. And I guess you could say, well, that's where why Rose didn't want Finn because she she had already lost her sister. Uh, but then are we supposed to look at her sister like she was an idiot for sacrificing herself in that moment? And then is well, it Rose Poe's got fault? over it pretty goddamn quick, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, she did. I thought they it. were lovers. I didn't even know they were sisters. I thought they were lovers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were sisters. No, well, but they, they mentioned that at the end. But when it first happened, I'm like, oh, that must be your girlfriend or something like that. Because they didn't mention off the bat, that's my sister, you know. But that's here, no, there, whatever. Yeah, I, like I said, to, the, the point of all this, the point of all my little nitpicky things that I've just pointed out, and, I, you know, and I'm obviously I'm being I'm snarky and, and sort of an asshole about some of this stuff. But the point of it for me is that there's arguments to be made about why this film is not good because there's bad moments there's bad writing there's bad storytelling and it's not because i can't accept a female character or i can't accept a change in these characters or i can't accept you know something happening that doesn't you know fall in line with my nostalgia i don't care you know i think ray's a great character every time i see her i fall in love with her she's awesome she's she's the the actress is terrific she's adorable and and has tremendous spirit and i i love watching her on screen she's great she's one of my favorite I don't characters agree. in the show I, I think she's awesome finn another great character i he's probably my favorite character out of the new star wars movies um you know it, it, but they don't have to be made to be idiots so that rose can look you know capable poe dameron doesn't have to look like a gung-ho moron so Laura Dern can look capable. Um, just write them as capable. Write them all as capable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they can all be flawed. They can all be capable. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Like, it's this weird um, zero-sum game of like, well, you know, uh, Luke and Han were really capable. And that's the, that's the fucked up thing that I don't understand. Everybody, finally, we got a, a diverse... You know, uh, uh, we have, you know, powerful female leads in Star Wars. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? L Leia was the most capable character in the first three movies. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she was an yeah. amazing, accomplished, uh, uh, strong, funny, smart ass. Uh, she shot better than any of them. She rode light cycles better. Or, you know, like she did everything better yeah. than the, the other two. And, and it's like, finally we have a, a strong female lead. Are you kidding me? Like that's so stupid. Well, that's, that's such a ridiculous again, thing to say. That's, that's the internet for you. I mean, it, I remember when, when Star Trek Discovery was being talked about, and they said, oh, the first female captain in Star Trek. It's like, no, there was one in Voyager, you dummy. You know, it's see, the people just totally forget. People are stupid. And that's and they just what want, you have to just, remember, you know. Yeah, and they want to uh, th- fulfill their own sort of, yeah, you know, I know, wishes or whatever it is. I don't know their own, you know, it's, I don't know. It's bizarre, but. Yeah. I, but overall, I, I did like the movie. I mean, I didn't love it, but I did like it. And, and you know, uh, it could have been better, but I didn't hate it. I didn't like nothing in it made me. It's, it's not going to change how I feel about Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you guys um, do you guys know who Vince Russo is? No, I, I do okay. not. Back in. uh <laughs> this is back in the uh, late nineties. Uh, he was a, a, a writer for the WWF back then. And he went over to the, the, the competitor WCW during the wrestling wars. And this guy was known for what he would do is he would do what they called the swerve, which we, he would do whatever the audience expected to happen. He would do the exact opposite. Like he'd turn the, the, the biggest baby face, the biggest good guy, he'd turn them into a bad guy. Did he turn just the whole to Hogan shock into a heel? No, that was somebody else. Oh. But it's same kind of stuff. Right. He would uh he would he would do stuff just for the sole purpose of shocking the audience. He made example, he made David Arquette the the world champion at one one time <laughs> just to shock the audience. <laughs> that, that worked out well. Yeah, it worked out really well. Um it, long story short, WCW ended up going out of business. He did a terrible job um wrote some terrible stories and and some of the criticisms levied upon him were the fact that all these stories that he would do these swerves on should have been built up to instead of just trying to shock people uh and get people emotionally invested in it so when that that big change or that big heel turn happens that there's a payoff for it i felt like this movie had all these swerves like Vince Russo would have written, but there was no buildup to them. Like the death of Snoke came out of nowhere and they didn't build that character up enough to make me care about it that much. Right. Um, and and th- that's kind of what it reminded me of. And that's kind of part of the reason I thought it was poor storytelling. And ultimately that's why I didn't like the movie. Yeah. There were ridiculous things. The part with Leia floating through space, kind of like the dream sequence in the big Lebowski kind of set, you know, I I had a problem with that and I had a problem with, you know, Luke not, well, kind of sucking to be honest, but overall, I just thought the storytelling was weak and it, it moved so slowly and the film was way too long and it just didn't make any sense. A lot of the, they didn't make me care about any of the characters. So that's all I have on it. There's so many flaws. I mean, if, if Yoda is just coming to Luke now, why didn't he go to Luke when he tried to kill Ben? I mean, it's like, come on. It's like there's so many things, so many plot holes that they could have done, you know, but they decided not to. Yeah, I, I mean, there are things in it that I do like that they're sort of, you know, mo- trying to move it forward 
And because I, I, you know, the reality is like, I don't want to just see the same movies. I've seen them. I don't want to, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need the same story again. Uh, that was my biggest complaint about The Force Awakens. That it, oh well, it is just the same movie again. I've already seen this movie. I don't need to see it again. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought it was, you know, it's it's a balance. They're trying. I think they're trying to appease everyone. They're trying to appease as many people as possible. You know, we talked about this earlier in the, you know, an hour, two hours ago when we were, we started this podcast. We, we were talking about. Um, Disney and, and how they are trying to make everybody happy and they stay a little safe. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it does have to transform for it to stick around, but you know, I'm okay. If it, I'm also okay. If I don't like it, I'm okay. If I don't like, I don't need to like it, like whatever. I don't have to. I don't need to keep going to see Star Wars. My kids like it. Great. They can keep going. They can grow up and become, you know, Star Wars nerds mm-hmm. when they're in their 40s. I've had my run. I've had, you know, I've had my pizza. I've had my run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's probably a good spot to finish this up. Sal, uh, want to remind us about the contest before we finish up tonight? Absolutely. We're doing uh, our, I don't know, Are we, do we have a name for this contest? The listener feedback contest? Um Basically, um, uh, I don't know. I, we got to yeah. come up with something. All right, we'll come By up next week, we'll come up with something. All right. Uh, but the contest is basically if you go uh, after listening to the show, if you go to iTunes and you write us a review and then you send us an email telling us, hey, I'm Jedi Balls 2017 on <laughs> iTunes and I entered uh, your contest by writing a review, we will enter you into a drawing to win a $150 gift card to InStockTrades.com, where you can go and get whatever comic book stuff uh, that you want to read, um, even if it's a dying medium. And uh, we probably won't have comic book publishers in like 20 years. Everything will be gone. I don't know. No, but uh, but enter the content. <laughs> Sorry. I've gotten very morose over this episode. Everything's <laughs> I thought we were going to be positive in 2018. It was like, oh, Let's talk about uh, shooting, swattings. Let's talk about guys getting <laughs> no. killed accidentally yeah. on video games. And then let's talk about how much we hate the last Je- or the next Jedi. What is it? Last Jedi. Uh, good uh, God, we had nothing Jedi. positive. This is this is uh, not the it's uplifting. A great way to start off the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, write us welcome to the show. Send, only get better. Us, send us an email. Oh, it can only go up from here, guys. It can only. <laughs> Get better. Uh, send us an email. You'll be entered in the contest. It's going to be uh, over the next six weeks, so you have plenty of time uh, to enter, and then we'll draw it on the show, and somebody's going to win $150 to uh, InStockTrades.com. Is that good? Chris? Yes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Chris, any final words about InStockTrades? Uh, no, I think Insectoids is great. Like I said in the beginning, we've been using them for years, and uh, I will continue to do mine. In fact, I just did my DCBS order the other night. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, go use Insect Trades, man. It's the greatest thing out there. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, free shipping on orders over 50 And bucks. free shipping over 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah which, awesome. which, you know what? I always forget that. 
because I order I always order over fifty bucks anyway, so it doesn't even matter. You yeah, know, I mean, no, how, can, even... how can you just get like ten dollars worth of worth of stuff from in stock trades? It's like oh, it's, it's like, like going into Target and just buying toothpaste. It's like you have to buy like a hundred dollars worth of stuff when you go into Target. Yeah, it's like if you're if you're placing an order. I mean, half the books on there, you know, the manufacturers are putting out, you know, a hundred bucks for an omnibus, but. Of course, you don't have to pay that on in-stock trades. I mean, you get them for like, what, 50, you know, 40% off half most of the time. Oh, yeah, heck, for sure. Heck, if you get it opening week, you know what I do every Tuesday, every Tuesday night, because comics come out Wednesday, Tuesday night, if I get on in-stock trades website and I hit new, new releases, it shows me all the stuff that's going to be available the next day. Mm-hmm. So I get to see all the cool stuff. And if you get stuff the first week it comes out, a lot of times Cameron will put it up there for almost 50% off on some things, especially those big omnibuses. So you need to check that out on a weekly basis, see if there's anything you absolutely got to have. So, well, that's all we got tonight. Sal, any more? I think that's enough. I, that's all you're getting out of me. <laughs> I got nothing left. <laughs> well, I hope everybody visits the website. Sal discussed at the beginning of the show over at the RorschachTest.com. Uh, check our Discord channel out. Check us out on Twitter at Rorschach Test Me, Facebook and Instagram, and all the other social media sites. My uh, personal contact information: you can reach me on Twitter at Andy CCL, and you can email me at Adam Strange. That's A T O M Strange at yahoo.com. Chris, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris CCL, and of course, my podcast, Collected Comics Library, which you can find at uh, collectedcomicslibrary.com. That'll forward you along to uh, where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, this has been great, guys. It's, it's fun to move on from Nuff Said and make this really official. So thank you. Sal, how do I get a hold of you? You can get me on Twitter at Jedi's Balls. To un- <laughs> <laughs> Somebody um, needs to make that account. I'm sure it exists. Somebody's got to have that, right? Uh, what, where can you get me? Uh, BigGeekShow.com, at BigGeekShow, um, or wherever. You'll find me. You don't need to get a hold of me, people. This is enough. This is enough every week. You don't, hey, nobody needs this to is contact me. Hey, Sal, how do, how do people get onto our Discord channel? How do they find it? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. We'll have to send out a link. I guess uh, the, the, the weird thing is, is you have to kind of be invited but there's an open invitation link that I'll put on the episode on the website. So each episode, I'll just put a link in the uh, episode notes that you can click on. And then you're kind of like automatically invited from there. So there's not like a URL. I mean, there is, but it, it changes and it's like a bizarre URL. It's just a bunch of numbers and letters. So it's not something that's memorable. You know what I mean? So I'll just put yeah. it on the uh, on the website and and on the show notes uh, every episode if you want to join it. And we'll tweet it out and put it on Facebook and that kind of stuff too. Sounds good. Last order of business tonight. I want to take a minute and uh, thank our friend Jason Kim for the wonderful Christmas package he sent me. Uh, all kinds. Oh of yeah, Christmas that was wonderful. Uh, so thank you very much, Jason. Yeah, appreciate. It. Family enjoyed it quite a bit, especially Absolutely. the coffee. It was awesome. Amazing coffee. Those did you guys get those like chocolate covered macadamia nuts? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, were those good? (laughs) That was just that. I don't know what chocolate they put on those, but it was like at one point it's it was like I was chewing chocolate bubble gum. It was so rich. It was weird. (laughs) Like it wasn't like it was like some kind of weird Hawaiian chocolate. I don't know what was in that stuff, but it was. It was damn good. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, that was that was really nice of you. 
Yeah, I'll tell you something about that coffee. I was talking to a friend of mine at work. He goes down to the Epcot um, uh, Center, has this food festival like every November or something. And when I would open the box up, he saw that coffee in there. And he said, he goes, that, is that Kona coffee? I was like, yeah, that's what it says. He says, I guess at Epcot, they charge $15 a pot for that stuff. Oh, so you, you order it at your table and they charge you 15 bucks for a pot of that. So, so thank you, Jason. Thanks again. So, well, that's all we got for tonight, guys. Uh, this has been our analysis of this past week's Rorschach test. And that's what we see until next week. That's it. That's where you're ending the goddamn show until next week. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, love, I thought you were going to say, bye. are you supposed to say something? So, I, Oh, yeah, you're supposed to say bye. Well, I didn't know that was the end. I didn't. <laughs> Did you not read the agenda? Not really. I peruse. Uh, you want to try again? I per- try again. <laughs> no, I'm not stop. I'm not going to edit this. This is the end. No, no, this is I'm it not here. expecting you to edit. I this... just want to do it again. No. Go ahead. Do it again. <laughs> Give me your best. Let me all hear right, this. All right. Hey guys, this is Flim Flam and Zip Bam. Okay. <laughs> Flim no, it's Flammy, what's uh, his name? Sham Love and Ding Dong? I have no idea. No, the Marvel, uh, uh, what we were talking about? Correspondent? Oh, our, yeah. Our roving correspondent? Well, our, our roving correspondent, uh, Funky Flashman and Carrie Ishida. Yeah. <laughs> this is Funky Flashman <laughs> saying, What did you see in this week's Rorschach test? Bye. Bye. <laughs> that, that was terrible. Way to end. What are we doing? We, that was it. awesome. We're quitting. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs>